Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. Today, I'm not going to so much preach a sermon where exegetically we exposit the text and, and walk through it line by line like we did in the book of Hebrews, but we're going to talk about who we are. We're going to talk about why we're here and this vision of renewing, rebuilding, and releasing people through the work of Jesus Christ. The reason we do that is because Pastor Andy Stanley, he once said that vision leaks. Vision leaks, which means that we forget. So we have to remember what we're called to, not only as a church, but also individually as believers. So we're going to take some time, and we're going to walk through this vision, and we're going to use a passage of Scripture or we're going to look at one over the next couple of weeks that I always come back to when I think of our church, when I think of the church, period. It's Acts chapter 2. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and meet me there. In Acts chapter 2, we're going to look at verse 42, just one verse today. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. If you got it, go ahead and stand to your feet if you're able. And we're going to look at this verse together and read and honor the Word of God. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. you got it, go ahead and say, got it. If you're online, write that in the chat. We got you. One verse, verse 42, it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayer. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to prayer. Very word of God. Today I want to talk simply about realignment. Can y'all say that with me? Realignment. Realignment. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this morning. God, I ask as we enter into this word today and just talking about the vision of this church you've called us to, God, I do ask that you would hide me behind your cross. Let it not be my word spoken or my vision, but your vision and your word, God. Be in my body, be my mind, be the words that come out of my mouth. Let it be acceptable in your sight. Have your way in this place, Jesus. And it's in your name we all said together, amen, amen. You can be seated now. Well, family, throughout the last several weeks... I've been praying and asking God just what he would have me say to you guys about this next season and what vision looks like for us as a church. I've been asking him, and I've been reading a lot of scripture, and God continually gave gave me three words, arrest, realignment, and reengagement. Y'all, we like ours here at the church. Rest, realignment, reengagement. We just finished walking through the book of Hebrews. Did y'all enjoy that series? We just walked through the book of Hebrews. Some of y'all clapped, some of y'all didn't. Y'all going to learn here at Renewal. I need y'all to talk to me. I'm going to tell you like I told the first service. Y'all got masks on. So all I can see is your eyes. I can't tell if you're smiling or smiling with your mouth or talking. And I need to hear y'all, okay? It helps the brown preacher like myself, okay? And then we can get through this thing and go ahead to brunch, all right? I'm trying to help y'all with this thing so I'm not here all day. Amen, somebody? Amen. Y'all amen because y'all don't want to be here all day. There you go. We just finished walking through the book of Hebrews, and Hebrews is specifically looking at the supremacy of Jesus. That's why we named it Jesus is Supreme. And we looked at his supremacy where it talks about Jesus being the same today and forever. In fact, Hebrews 13, 8 says that it's Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. And see, with all of this, knowing that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, it helps us when we're going through storms and trials in our lives, tribulations in our life, when circumstances and pandemics hit like they are right now. It helps us to keep going because we can now rest in the supremacy of Jesus because if he's hung the stars in the sky and he knows my name and he's created me from the dust of the ground and he can name every hair on my head, then he can take care of all of my circumstances circumstances and any pandemic that may occur so we can rest 
Y'all gonna make me work this morning. Y'all didn't amen at all. That's why we went through Hebrews. That's why we took our time going through the book of Hebrews. We've been out and doing all kind of things in society, in our homes, looking at all kind of stuff that's come our way, different media, news. We've been believing all these things, and now we got new identities here, and I don't know if I believe this thing about the Christian faith. So we said, let's look through Hebrews, and let's see who Jesus is, and let's remember that he's supreme so now we can rest in his sovereignty. We learn how to rest the book of Hebrews. But secondly, we're walking into the fall. How many of y'all know walking into the fall, there's so many things happening? People are going back to school. Campuses are opening back up. People are seeing one another again despite this pandemic. Y'all going out to eat. You're hanging out. There's this sense of, of normality. And, and even if there is a normality, there's still this underlying want existing in all of us well, we, we want some sense of normal, right? See, the problem is that we all been in our own lanes. We've been way too many Zoom calls. We've been reading news outlets and social media news feeds, and, and we've been believing this thing, and we've been over here in our own lane, and, and we've been on, 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 on watching too much TV, all of these different things. We've been stuck in our own lane, stuck in our own homes at times, and what's happened is that all of us, all of us have started to go in different directions. We, we believe this thing, and somebody believes this thing. We're all over the place. There's this sense or this need of alignment among people, let alone the church. We all need realignment. I was talking to my, uh, my, my mentor this week, and I was, he was sharing with me. He's saying, man, D, I had to go to the chiropractor. And I know we got chiropractors in the church, my boy Robinson, so y'all don't tell on him if I get this thing wrong. Uh, my mentor went to the, y'all could have laughed at that. My, my mentor went to get his, his back aligned because he was saying my back, my back is hurting, and I, I think something is wrong with my spine. So he goes to the chiropractor, and the chiropractor says, well, your C1 and your C2 vertebrae is out of alignment. And the problem with anything in your spine being out of alignment is that your spine sends messages to your brain. And the messages that it sends to your brain, now your brain communicates with the rest of the body. So, matter, so no matter if it's sending the wrong or the right messages, your body's going to react because your brain sends the message out to the rest of the body. So he said, I need it realigned because my alignment was off and I was sending the wrong messages to my brain. Therefore, my body was working wrong. Some of y'all missing this thing. Here, here's the reality. The Big C Church, I'm not necessarily just talking about renewal. We've been out of alignment with God. We haven't been reading our Bible. We haven't been in prayer. Acts 2.42, we haven't been fellowshipping. We haven't been breaking the bread. We haven't been doing these things. So therefore, because we've been not in alignment with the word of God or what he calls us to be as the church, we therefore have been sending the wrong messages to the world as the church. Oh, y'all missing this. We simply need realignment. We need to be realigned. But lastly, we don't just need to rest in the sovereignty of God and realignment. We also need to re-engage. We need to re-engage. We, we've been more disengaged than ever before. We've been doing our own things over here. We, we've been out of fellowship with people. Some of us, we haven't had a meal with people outside of our family in a, over a year. We leave our homes. We go to church. Maybe we go to work, and we go straight back home. We've been disengaged. We don't give of our time, our talent, or our treasure to anyone in need anymore, let alone our own church. Y'all hear me? We simply need to re-engage. We've been more self-consumed than ever. 
So over the next couple weeks, what we're going to do, we're going to focus on what it means and, and look specifically to realign and reengage. Because if, if we're going to be the church that God calls us to be, then we got to align with the vision that he's given us individually as well as a church. So I want you to think about your own life individually, but I also want you to think about what it means to be a part of Renewal Church. The only way we can do this is if we align with the vision and we engage with, with one another and others on the vision that he's called us to. If we want to see it come true... We got to align and re-engage. Just as you see with the book of Acts, if you read slowly through it, they aligned right here in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Prayer, breaking of bread, the fellowship, and the apostles' teaching. Look, it ain't rocket science. It's, it's pretty simple. And here's the reality. We want to be a gospel-centered church, which means we want to align with the scriptures. We want to do what the word of God says. We, we want to we make sure we listen to the, to the apostles' teacher or the, or the teachers of our leaders. As, as Pastor Steve was talking about last week, we also want to pray together. We want to fellowship. We want to break bread as groups are starting up. We want to get back together. And hear me, it may look a little different today than it did in the book of Acts because culturally it's different and all that. But it ain't different in terms of what God is calling us to be as a church. So today I, I really want to focus on Realignment. I want, to do, I want to do this by sharing the story of renewal, how we came to be, because I, I firmly believe there, there's really no better way that, to align with something than, than when you understand how it started, which now lends to where it's going. In, in this vision series, we're going to talk about who renewal is. We're going to talk about why we're here and what we're doing. And I know some of y'all looking at me like, Pastor D, I'm in. I, I got the vision. I'm here with you. I believe that God has called us to renew, rebuild, and release. And hear me, I'm so glad that you're in. But I want you to remember or know for the first time why you're in. I don't want you just to say, I'm here. I want you to know why you're in. Let, let me say it this way. I want you to know what it means to be renewal. Think of it this way. If, if, it's kind of like joining the army, and, and y'all may not like this, this analogy, so go with me. Uh, it, it's kind of like joining the army. When, when, you, when you join the army, you don't join the army because it's cool. Some of y'all did been in the army. Y'all know, y'all, you don't join the army because it's cool. And if you do join the army because it's cool, somewhere along the line, you either don't make it, or you, that cool has to change to something else because you realize that this is actually pretty hard. And see, here's the reality. We may not be an army as a church. That's not what I'm trying to say. But I don't want you to join Renewal Church of Chicago because it's the cool thing to do. We're the cool, trendy church. Uh, they, Pastor Steve, Pastor D, and, and the worship team, and, and all these people here, they look real good. They dress real nice. And man, I, ooh, I just want to be up in this church house. Look, don't join the church because we're trendy. Uh, now, now, the reality is, y'all do look good. I'm going to just tell you that. Y'all, y'all look good. Some, some of y'all fly, flyer than ever, but don't join Renewal Church because it's trendy. We never wanted, I never started this church with my wife to say, hey, we want to be the next cool thing in Renewal in Chicago, Illinois. We want to be the thing that people say, yeah, I want to be a part of that because they got lights, camera, and action, and the worship is amazing. No, no. The, the DNA of Renewal stems deep within who God has called us to be. It's not about what we want to be. It's not about being cool. It's about glorifying God. So number one, hear me, we need to walk through this vision and story, friends, because we need to know what our makeup is. We need to know why we're here. Why another church in the city of Chicago? And number two, there's some of y'all in here that you just started coming during the pandemic, and, and y'all know me because you see me on camera, so you come up and you say, what up, Pastor D? And I'm like, I don't know you. I don't know you. But here's the reality. I want to know you. I really do. I want you to know my story. I want to know your story. I want to do life together. And so simply walking through the vision and the story of who we are, my hope is that it will give you a bigger picture of how renewal came to be and who we are as a church. And now you can plug in. 
But lastly, there's some of us in here that are like myself, and you've been here for a while, and you may have heard the vision before, and we simply need to remember. We simply need to remember who we are, why we're called to be the church, and what God has said of renewal. Friends, at the end of the day, as I said already, vision leaks. Vision leaks. So today what we're going to do, I'm going to begin by uh, sharing the renewal story. And, it, and this revolves much around my story and how, how God brought me from a youngin all the way to where we are now. But, so I want to start with looking at the vision video. Some of you have seen this, but uh, this is our first vision video. This is one that every time I see it, it, it does, it, it, it reminds me of God's goodness in my life, but also when we're faithful to the vision that he gives us, what he can do. Take a look at this video with me. Living in Gary, Indiana, it wasn't much hope. It wasn't much to see. It wasn't much to be a part of. The hope in Gary was, it was what you saw and it wasn't much there. I used to stand on the shore in Gary, Indiana, on the beach, Lake Michigan, and I could look across the beach and see Chicago, Illinois, and see the skyline. That was just amazing for me as a kid, just to walk and dream along the beach and say, man, I, one day maybe. It was just something that seemed sometimes out of reach. About the age of 12 or 13, my mother moved back to Indianapolis where she was from. So I clung to sports, I clung to things that I, I thought that I could make it big doing. Because of that, I was able to go to college. Started going to a campus ministry there where out of 500 people, I was the only black guy in the room. It made me burdened for the campus and burdened for um, folks that looked like me, that looked different than the, the folks that were in that room at that time. It was always something we threw around, like, what if we could do something in Chicago? What if we could go back home and uh, see the landscape change there? And uh, first thing we did when we got to the city is we just rolled through the neighborhoods. Looking from the outside in, you think of this city as a melting pot, but once you get into the city, you see that it's divided. As you ride through the streets, you see a different type of Chicago coming from downtown with the high-rise buildings and the different type of living. So once you cross over to the neighborhood systems, you see the division, you see the, the real Chicago, you see the people who, who don't dwell in downtown Chicago, who don't want to come down here only to come down here just to work, and then they go back home. And as we rolled through this neighborhood, we started just, it's like my heart was about to leap out of my chest because people come around the United Center and they come to the United Center from all over the state to see the Bulls play or to see the Blackhawks play. They come to see a concert and they high-five the person next to them. They give hugs to the person in front of them. And they don't care about what they look like. They don't care about their socioeconomic status. And if the United Center can bring people together and they've been doing it for 20-something years, then why can't the church? So for me, it's just a, a dream come true to actually be in the city and to have that hope of something bigger than what I was seeing in Gary come true. It's not better systems, it's not better you, it's not better me, it's not better schools, it's not better governments, it's not any of that. It's only Jesus Christ that can renew this city and can renew a broken people back to himself. When I walk the streets now, I not only see the, the dream of Chicago, the reality of Chicago is real to me. It's blatantly clear that people are here in search of something more. It's amazing to see what God is doing and how he's brought the nations to this city. But I would love to see the nations come to the church. If we're a neighborhood city and we're living inside those neighborhoods, then we need to invite our neighbors in our houses. When we get to heaven, we're not going to see uh, white and black over here and Hispanic over here and Chinese over here, but we're all going to be together worshiping. Jesus Christ. And if the church has this message of Jesus Christ, this is what his word says, that bringing multiple different people from different backgrounds together under his banner of Jesus Christ who reconciles us to him, then I believe that we can have that on earth too. Every time I see that, 
not only reminds me, but it does bring me to a place of tears sometimes, just remembering how God has been so faithful and what he can do when you, when you trust him and you grab a hold of the vision that he's given you, where he can take you, where it starts with a room of 10 or so people, really, my wife and I, to 10 people, and now there's hundreds of people that call this place home. But I want to I want to I want to further elaborate on this story because I want I want you to really grab hold of alignment because I really believe when we do this and we grab hold of aligning to this vision God's going to do something amazing in this church more than what he's already done. As I said in the video my story starts in Gary, Indiana where how many of y'all been to Gary? Come on. Show of hands. I mean, y'all stopped. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Some hands went down. A lot of people think of Gary as scary Gary. Uh, when I grew up in Gary, Indiana, it was the murder capital of the world. It wasn't much around. Um, and I, but that wasn't true for me. That was home for me. I loved Gary. That was my, my, my family was there. That was where I was from. That was my space. That was my place. But I always tell people, you had three things that you could really do in, in Gary, Indiana. It's the hood. You, you, what you could do, you could be great at sports. You could be good at academics. Or you can dabble in the streets. As a child, I did a little bit of all of those things. But God, through his grace, kept me from getting into trouble. And I, I was one of the oldest. I was the oldest of four children. I have three younger sisters right underneath me. And I think God had a sense of humor because he gave me four daughters. And then my little man. Y'all pray for DJ. He's by himself. I know what that's like. Um, but my mother and father got a divorce when I was around the age of five or so. And... At that age, it left me very confused, very angry as a kid, and I, 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 I didn't know what to do. And one of my fondest memories, as I talked about here in the clip, is being able to stand on the shore in Gary and then look across the water and then see the skyline of Chicago. For me, on a very clear day, it's cool because my kids will say this now, Dad, look at the skyline. It gives you a bigger picture of hope than what you're actually living in, especially for me in Gary, Indiana. At the age of 12, my mother, as I said, she moved us to Indianapolis, Indiana to give us uh, uh, more of, of a hope and, and things that we could reach for. But for me, I didn't like that. I hated moving to Indianapolis because I left my friends. I, I left my family, my father, everything I knew in Gary, Indiana. So when I got, when I got to Indianapolis, I was, I was mad. I was an angry kid. I was already confused, and my mother didn't know what to do. She probably should have put me in counseling or something like that, but she did this. The best thing she knew how to do was like, all right, D, I'm going to put you in football. You want to hit somebody, you're angry, here's a sport you can play, and you will not get in trouble if you hit them on the football field. You hear me, Troy? So she put me in this, and y'all, that's what I did. I hit people, and I did it really well to the point where a lot of schools were saying, hey, we want him to come play football at our school. We want him. And so I, I, I played football to the highest potential. I played basketball to the highest potential. And, and, and baseball, I was a three-sport athlete, so my mother kept me off of the streets, always make, making sure I was involved with something, which lended to me going to this college prep school. I went to this college prep school, and you got to understand, I was coming from Gary, Gary, Indiana, which is 90-something percent African-American, and then I go to this college prep school, which is 90-plus percent white. And I walk into this as a 14-year-old, 15-year-old kid, as a freshman in high school, and I'm now having to learn to navigate something that I never navigated before. I'm being a minority now in majority context. Why do I say that? Because in Gary, everybody looked like me. So although we were the minorities, we felt like majority because we all did the same thing. We hung out together. We all were the same in, in a sense. So when I step into this school, I'm now having to navigate something that I never have had to navigate before, which is very hard at a young age. I walk into the school. Not only am I one of the only black kids in the school, but yet I'm barely getting dropped off at school where my mother makes $29,000 or so a year working two to three jobs, now raising four kids on her own. But when I go to school, I got classmates that are driving $80,000 cars to school. Think about that. We're struggling over here, but they're driving cars as 16-year-old kids that are three times the amount of money my mother makes in a salary. I'm having to learn how to navigate this thing at a very young age. 
And I'm being confronted with realities that I never have been confronted with, not only racially, but also socioeconomically. And the, 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 the good thing about this is what God kind of showed me at, at that young age is that as I got to know some of these folks that did not look like me, they were looking for more in life. They wanted more, although they had a lot. I'm over here saying, I don't have much right now. I want more. And so we're able to meet in the middle because we're searching for more. We're searching for hope together. And to this day, some of my best friends are white. Some of my best friends are still from Gary, Indiana. Because we're able to meet. And this is, I tell you this because God started stirring this in me at a very young age before I actually knew him. Which lends to the story of renewal because this is one of our heartbeats. We're in a city where, if you didn't know this, Chicago is one of the most divided cities across socioeconomic lines and racial lines in all of America. And we believe as the church, as we, if we come in and we proclaim Jesus Christ as a risen Savior and we're a gospel-centered church and we go outside of these four walls and we're doing life together, then we can see the reconciling power of Jesus break down the dividing walls of hostility that keep us apart. We can see the church come together because we have the gospel. But see, here's the thing. Sometimes that neighbor, that person that you're loving, don't look like you. And so when I talk about reconciling the power of Jesus Christ, it's not easy. I mean, there's a reason why when Jesus dies on the cross, you see this cross, there's two beams here. One reconciles us to God. The vertical beam reconciles us to God, this cross-shaped gospel. But that horizontal beam where he's, being, he's hung on that cross with nails in each one of his hands, it represents horizontally reconcile us, reconciling us to one another. That's why Jesus, when asked what's the greatest commandment, he says that it's to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and your strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. And like I said, that's tough because your neighbor doesn't always look like you, especially in the city of Chicago. You step outside your door, your neighbor probably don't look like you, they don't eat like you, they don't talk like you, they don't vote like you, all of these different things. And now you have to figure out how to navigate that. We don't do that in our own strength, but we do it because the gospel compels us to do it. That's what Jesus has done for us. None of us were sinless like Jesus, but yet he steps out of heaven and comes down here and dies on the cross for each one of us. And we're called to do the same thing. See, God started stirring this in my heart before I even knew him as Savior. And around 16 years old, my, my grandmother died. Now, if you know anything about single-parent households, maybe you were raised in one. Usually there's a relative. In my house, it was my grandmother that stepped in, and she took care of us uh, when my mother was at work. My grandmother was, she was like my best friend. She took me shopping all the time. She taught me how to open the door for women and all these different things. She, she just, she taught me about church. She taught me how to love people and just keep a smile on my face. She, she called me big shot. She'd be like, you need to smile. It's not cute to just scowl at people. And you know, back in the day, we just thought we were hard, like, mm. So we just, we just looked hard all the time. But she's like, no, you need to, you got pretty teeth. You need to smile. And she, she just loved on me in many different ways. And so when she died, it took me to a very low place in my life where I had to I, I didn't know what to do. I was dabbling in stuff as an athlete and things that I never thought I would do or didn't know what I was getting into. And at one of the lowest points, I, I, I kind of I said, well, what should I do here? And I remember what my grandmother used to do. And my grandmother used to go to church. She was the daughter of a Baptist preacher. So what she would do is every weekend she would wake up and she would go to church. And so what did I do? I woke up every weekend at 16 years old, and I would get in her car, and I would drive to the Baptist church down the street. And at 16 years old, when you see a young black boy driving in the church, if y'all know anything about the black church, you walk in the church, and the boy can speak, he can read, he can do all these things, and he's coming by himself, they put me in the pulpit right away. I ain't no Jesus, nothing. I just knew how to pray and say, I love you a whole bunch of times, and they had me in the pulpit. But that's when God really started a journey in my life. Over the next two years, and about a year later, I met my girlfriend, wife now, Kaylee, and I never met anybody that ran for Jesus the way she did. And she introduced me to a guy by the name of C.J. Neal. You guys have heard his name. Many of you probably saw him in the marriage retreat last year where he poured into us. But C.J. shared the gospel with me that Jesus died for me in my place. He rose from the grave. And three days later, he had power in his hands. He shared all of this, that it's by grace you've been saved. And, 
And so I gave my life to Christ at 18 years old, and I said, I want to follow this Jesus that, that has loved me and died for me, even though he knew all the mess that I was into. I want, to, I want to follow him for the rest of my life. So every waking moment, I was at CJ's house. I'm eating dinner with his family. We're walking through the Word. We're playing basketball together, all of this. And he was pouring his life out on me. And I came to know Jesus in many different ways, and this passion for discipleship was developed there. I went on to Indiana University Big Ten school to play football. Uh, it was a dream of mine to play football, and a long story short, God had plans there. That wasn't his plan for me to go to the NFL. As I told you before, that was my plan, but that ended really quickly. And I started going, as the clip said, into uh, a college ministry, Campus Crusade, and there were 400-plus students in the room, and my wife and I, we were the only one that had a little spice in us, y'all. Y'all don't have to think about that. When I'm talking about spice, I'm talking about ethnicities, okay? We, we, we're the only one that had a little bit, little bit of spice in us, and, and I walked out the room, and I was like, man, we got to do something else. It's all of these white students in here, and I love what they're preaching about, but there ain't nothing on this campus for people that are not white. And so they said, D, you need to start Impact Movement, which was a, 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 a ministry that reached out to African Americans. And I'm like, I don't want to start the black ministry, and then you got the white ministry. That don't make sense, Jay. That, 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 now we're doing the same thing. But we ended up starting this with the intentionality to bridge the two. And by God's grace, it's still one of the largest of its kind in the country. We're talking about more than 15 years ago when we started this. Over 200 students are coming every week, and they're doing life together. They're fellowshipping. They're preaching. They're hearing the word. They got small groups all over the campus. Many students have gotten saved through that ministry. Pastor Steve, that's where he got saved six months after myself when we went to a conference at that at, at impact moment. Chris, back at the table that's running all our media, got saved through that same ministry. And many others that have walked through the doors of Renewal Church of Chicago. God did a work there. And I, I share that story because when we think of, when I thought, think about that ministry, that's where he really started putting Chicago on my heart and my wife's heart because we're thinking about the region. We call this area the region. We, all the people that were there from the college ministry, a lot of them were from this area. They were from the Gary, Chicago area. So it's like, man, what if we go back, went back home and we did something? We started a small group. Notice I said small group. I had no intention of starting a church, y'all. I didn't want to be a preacher or pastor or have anything to do with the church. I really was kind of disgruntled with the church. Now, I had been preaching since I came to know Jesus, but I, I, didn't, I didn't want to be a part of the church because I felt like everything they were doing was wrong. I felt like there was no discipleship happening. They weren't really walking what they're talking about. No outreach was happening. I'm, I'm thinking about all the things that they're not doing. I, I didn't like the idolization of the pastor. Now, real, reality is I do believe the pastors should be honored in the church, but I felt like it was just going too far in many different ways. And I'm like, I don't want anything to do with that. Until I met a guy named Aaron Brockett. Aaron Brockett's a brother to me, good friend. He pastors a very large church in Indianapolis called Traders Point. Some of you have come from that church, and I remember sharing all of this to him, and I was really open about my frustrations, and he was like, you know what, D? I hear you, man, but what, what if God could take your frustrations and turn them into a burden for his bride? I was like, oh, come on, Aaron. I thought you were just listening as a friend, bro. got to pastor me. And then on the other side, my best friend Steve's like, D, you already started a church at IU. You were preaching, and all these people came to know Jesus, and we got small groups and this and that. You need to plant a church. And I'm like, come again? What, what does that mean? I, who plants churches? I didn't even know what that was. I, I'm like, well, I see churches. I wasn't thinking about the fact that people actually start them still. And so I started researching, and I'm like, okay, I got to find some black guys that are doing this. And I also wanted to have the specific vision of a multi-ethnic ministry. I didn't want to just start a church out of my house. I'm like, I got to figure this out. I want to be discipled. I don't want to just do my own thing. And I came across a guy named Eric Mason who actually spoke at the Lead the City Conference this past weekend. And I knew him from other conferences where he spoke. And I said, he started a church in Philly. It's, it's somewhat multi-ethnic. It's urban. I said, I... 
I, I want to know what he did. And he went to a program in Little Rock, Arkansas. So I said, cool, I'm going to apply to this program in Little Rock, Arkansas. Now, pause. I'm from Gary. And then I went to Indianapolis. I've never lived outside of Indiana, let alone the South and Arkansas. Sorry, I, Ashley, I know you from Arkansas. I just say never. I had never been there. And I'm like, this is just a little, all I heard about the South was just scary things. And so I applied to this program. I actually got in and they said, look, why don't you come to Memphis, though, because we got a multi-ethnic church there. And I know you want to start a gospel-centered multi-ethnic church in the city of Chicago. So come to Memphis, Tennessee. We'll pour into you. They're pulling on all this heartstrings. Hey, we'll pour into you. We'll disciple you. We'll also send you to school to get your Master's of Divinity. You can pastor here, too. And I'm like, bet. Well, sign me up. And my wife and I, we, a month later, we just had Ramayan. We're like, all right, let's go. Now, y'all might think that's crazy. Because we left right after they extended the invitation. We leave our house we just remodeled, and then we go live in the house with the pastor for four to five months. It sounds kind of crazy, but when you trust God by faith, God does things that you could never imagine. We moved down there, and we had an experience like none other. Uh, they poured into us. We ended up starting one of their campuses. I, I got my master's divinity. Steve came on down about six or seven months after me. He got his master's divinity. We were there in, in Memphis, and God just blew our minds because here's this church in Memphis, Tennessee. If you know anything about Memphis, Tennessee, it, was, it still is one of the most racially divided cities in America, the Old South. So let me give you a picture. In Memphis, there on one corner, you can see where MLK, Martin Luther King Jr., was shot. Lorraine Motel. You can go down a few blocks. Statue's gone now, but there used to be a statue of the Ku Klux Klan, the guy who started the Ku Klux Klan on his horse. This is a few blocks from one another. And it symbolizes the division in Memphis, Tennessee. But yet, you walked into this church, Fellowship Memphis, where our pastor Brian Loritz came from, and there was 2,500 people in there worshiping Jesus. Not a little bit of salt in the midst of pepper. You had the whole joint together, salt and pepper, just all over the place, just worshiping Jesus. It was a breath of fresh air for us. And in that moment, God continually impressed upon our hearts to come back to Chicago. And in 2013, my wife and I, we moved here now with two kids, a third one, I think, on the way. We moved to Chicago in 2013 with the, with the hopes of starting a new church in Renewal Church, uh, Renewal church of Chicago. And what we did when we moved to the city, I think church planners get this all wrong. And so you may be a church planner in here or you're a missionary of some sort. We get this all wrong when we, we move into a context and we're like, we got the key to the city. We know Jesus. We're going to bring Jesus to the city and we're going to save everybody. We're going to do that, this, and the third. And here's the reality. People have been in this city way before you. And there, there are people here in the city that have known Jesus before you were even born. There are churches here that have been, a, been around for hundreds of years. You don't got the key to the city. Jesus is here, but they may need a new church. They may need a different kind of church. And so what we did when we walked into the city, I, I simply said, I don't want to walk in like I know it. Although I'm from Gary, Chicagoland area, I want to walk into this place and I want to simply be a student of the city. I want to learn what makes the city tick. I want to know what people need. And most of the time, people were saying, we need, we need a place to fellowship. We need the word. We need it preached. And this is where this vision grew out of, to be a gospel-centered church that seeks the welfare of the city, resting upon three initiatives to, be, to renew, rebuild, and release people through the work of Jesus Christ. And here's the reality. That's been happening for the last seven years. God has been blowing our minds. I remember when we started, you saw some of it in the clip, monthly gatherings at our home about November of 2013, 20 or so people we bring into that room and we'd share vision. We would sing songs together. We had Thanksgiving and, and Christmas parties together, all of these things. And then about June of 2014, 25 or so people moved to the city. Uh, Luke and his family, the Greer family moved up here. Many people moved to the city. Then that summer we had 
we called it Taco Tuesdays. Now it's actually Renewal Summer. All of these people coming together, uh, being together. And we, by the time we got to the end of August, we had about 40 or so people in this core group. Then first Sunday we launched and we got 150 people. I meet Jay and Aisha at an ice cream parlor the day before. They come, they come to church and they're still here to this day. That's seven years ago. God did all of that. That's seven years ago. Now you fast forward seven years later, there are thousands of people that have walked through this door at Renewal Church of Chicago. Not hundreds, but thousands of people that have come through here and countless lives who have been changed, that have been changed because of what God's doing in this church. That's something to celebrate. Church that started from nothing. Now it's hundreds in attendance over seven years. By God's grace, we're a group of people made up of different backgrounds from many different places outside of Chicago and some Chicago natives. We don't, we don't just have a little bit of pepper in the midst of salt, y'all. We got the whole spice drawer. We got, you know, turmeric and white uh, and pink Himalayan salt, Himalayan salt. You know, we got all of that t- pepper, salt. Y'all think about these spices. What I'm trying to get y'all to do, y'all missing this, is look around the room and look at the ethnicities represented in this church. And this is just a little bit of renewal. God is at work in our midst, and the vision that we had at the beginning to bring people together is coming true. Renewal, God is doing a great work here, and it's simply just the beginning. I say that all the time, and I really mean it. But it's one thing for me to tell you about it. It's a whole different thing if you get to hear it from other people. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to bring my my beautiful wife up here so she can share a little bit of her story from uh, looking at it from the beginning. And then you get to hear from a a homegrown renewal couple, as I like to call them, afterwards. Hey, it's so good to see this room filled. Um, I I can second everything that Derek said about making sure that you uh, just stay aligned with the mission and vision that God gives you. And even individually in your own life, it's good to have those reminders of what you um, have committed to as followers of Christ. Uh, When he spoke about the the time when he talked to, uh, when he applied to the different programs. Uh, He didn't do that until I said yes, and it took some time for me to get there. Um, The idea of church planning just scared me, Um, and just the idea of not having security and not having comfort uh, just really just terrified me. It was fearful. Um, I was fearful, and that is polar opposite of what church planning is. There's no comfort. (laughs) There's no security. Uh, You just have to stick to this vision and mission that God calls you to. And so God really just revealed to me I needed to follow my husband. So with a tearful yes, I went to him and said, God said to follow you, so let's do this. And so he Took the email out of the draft box and sent it. He was waiting <laughs> as we prayed and waited for me to, to say yes. Um, but just to think about all those times where, you know, it was, it was hard starting a church, uh, trying to stick to the vision that he, he said. And he, I even clung to those words that I heard of, you know, follow your husband uh, when there was times where it's like, is anyone to show up this morning? Uh, oh no, this solid couple is moving to Texas. All these different things. Uh, it's just good to be able to to go back to those moments. So, I'm just thankful to be a part of this story and to see everyone. Now you get to hear from, I'm going to say, a renewal homegrown couple. Take a look at this clip. Well, hey, Renewal family, I, I told you we got a homegrown couple here. It's Robbie and Lauren Harvison. I love them. And I just want them to tell you a little bit about their story and how they, they got to Renewal and, and just where they are now. Uh, God has done a mighty work in, in their lives, and they're doing great things for our church of the kingdom. What's up, Robbie? How you doing? What's up, Lauren? Everybody knows Lauren, right? She runs hey, around hey. doing everything. <laughs> well. <laughs> 
Well, y'all, I just want you to share a little bit. God has done a lot in your lives since you came to the church. And now tell us about that first Sunday. I don't, I don't think you guys showed up on the, at the same time on, on that Sunday. No. So my good friend from college actually is really good friends with um, Kaylee's sister. And they told us that um, his, her brother-in-law was starting a church in Chicago. And at the time we were dating and kind of hopping around churches, trying to find a church home, none stuck. And I came with my friend um, when she came to visit. She's from out of town and loved it right away. The community, just tons of people talking and uh, brought him the next week and kind of same thing. We had tried several churches and he liked it right away too and um, made connections right away. And like the rest is history, honestly, like it was, it was a community feeling that we hadn't felt at any of the other places that we had been. So. Yeah, we, uh, yeah, definitely came that, that second week. And, uh, <clears throat> I, like, I distinctly remember Kobe coming, uh, walking up to me and just asking me a bunch of questions and <laughs> just, uh, you know, it made it really seem personal and genuine that, you know, this is, this is what everybody does. It was different than some of the other churches where you just, you go, you sit down, you listen, and then you leave, right? You don't talk to anybody. Yeah. That was one thing I noticed about this church was everybody just hung out. Everybody talked. Everybody was just, you know, meeting everybody, saying, hi, how's this? And then really asking about, you know, what's going on in your life. And that was different for me. And that, uh, that still just, you know, always sticks out on that first, uh, that first time. So that was a good time. I love it. Yeah. When you came in the second week, I think it was some guys at the church that were pretty upset, you know, that Lauren wasn't single. They thought that she was single and her friend, they were coming back. And I'm like, no, y'all need to chill out. She got a man. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, you, you guys came that first week and um, Robbie, I, if, you know, there was some, you know, I, I know we met, man, talk about that, how we got together and just kind of, you know, just how, how it kind of, you know, it went on from there. Yeah. Um, like Lauren said, we were dating at the time, um, kind of going through some stuff. And I remember when I did come that second week, it just seemed like what you were preaching just hit home. It, it mm. just was right on the money. That was what was going on in, in between us and in my life at that time. And uh, I remember waking up that next weekend, just, I, I think I got to call this guy. I, I got I to gotta sit down and talk to this guy because it's just what he's saying is ringing true. And uh, I remember called you up. We uh, ended up going uh, to this like little breakery place and <laughs> it just, it turned into one thing after another. And, and it really has been uh, you, the church, getting involved, uh, being with the setup crew, all that has been very integral with us and our relationship, uh, growing with the church, seeing it go from uh, to the kitchen, to where it is now. Uh, again, you convincing me to be part of the setup team and taking over that. Uh, you, in your good graciousness, allowing me and Robinson to lead a group. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's something I never thought I would be doing or be a part of, uh, at least leading a group in, in terms of that. So it's been very rewarding and again, it has helped us out a lot and in, in our journey. So yeah, uh, joining, being part of this church has been an amazing, uh, has been an amazing ride. Yeah, we were kind of at a crossroads in our relationship. We had been together for a long time and it's like God just knew what we needed in that season of our lives. Um, we were not engaged yet. And I think that was the missing piece in our relationship, just a home church, people we could walk with and do life with and um pastor derek baptized us and married us and you i mean you've been there you and kaylee have been there the whole time um and now we're expecting our third child oh, no. and <laughs> we started out volunteering and yeah it's just been i think that first just piece of knowing that we needed that community um was huge for us in that season especially and i think for us too it's been uh it's been a big help because there is a difference between just going to church and 
being involved and, you know, and joining a church and really being a part of the church and helping out. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to come and go and just, okay, do that. But, you know, it's, I think it's a little bit more rewarding being part of the setup team, being part of the kids ministry, being part of, um, uh, the, <laughs> the worship, uh, the worship team, all these groups that we have, uh, you know, being part of a, a group or leading a group, um, it's, it's a lot more rewarding yeah. because it allows you to go and meet new people, hear their stories, understand where they're from, learn what they're going through. Um, like that's, yeah, people. as, as, uh, we were talking about earlier was, uh, the basketball team, right. And how much fun that was and getting to meet <laughs> these guys play, you know, play basketball, winning the championship. What was it? Two years in a row, two years in a row dot. <laughs> So, you know, it was, uh, all those were experiences I never would have had if she didn't drag me to, <laughs> drag me to, this, to this church on random Sunday. And like I said, it's, it's been fun. No, it's been, a, it's been a joy. And I'll tell you again, I'm so proud and, and just grateful to be a part of the, the story that God's written with you all. I mean, I, just you've been here for five years or, almost, well, six I think six years now, um, almost when the church started and God has, you know, brought you from coming to the church separate uh, or separate times, then together, then engaged, then baptized, married, kids, running setup team. You didn't just volunteer. You ran the setup team. You guys run, lead a group. Lauren's now on staff. And um, man, it's been grateful to be a part of that story. And there's many others here in the church. And Family, I just wanted you to hear their story because when we think about that vision and realigning with that vision, renew, rebuild, release, uh, that's what we want to see. We want to see people's hearts change for the gospel and by the grace of Jesus Christ do a work in their lives. Um, that's amazing. So thank you, Lauren and Robbie, for sharing your story. Uh, God bless y'all. We'll see you soon. Thank you. We appreciate you no more than you know. Yep. Sorry. Amen, family. God is at work here in our church, and he does something when you really align with the vision he has for you individually, but also corporately as a church. God will blow your mind. And hear me, I say this for Renewal Church of Chicago. I really humbly believe this is just the beginning of what God is about to do in your life and in the life of our church. So let's lock in, let's align to the vision, and let's watch him blow our minds and take us to places that we could never imagine. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 9 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.